those of you who know me well know that I am a massive introvert. I am, I am the introvert. I'm the last guy on the, on the um, line of introverts. And so maybe I'm particularly sensitive in this area, but have you ever felt like you weren't welcome somewhere? Like you, maybe it was an event that where you didn't know anybody and it's like, why am I even here? Um, maybe maybe it's, it's the opposite situation, that people know you too well. And, and that's why you're thinking, I, I don't think I'm really welcome here. Um, years ago at, at the church I served previously, um, I was officiating in a funeral and uh, somebody uh, came, it was an outdoor, it was a graveside uh, service, and uh, somebody came um, pushing a little baby and uh, one, of the, one of the people who was already seated got up and walked over to her and said, this event is for the family only. And I, I was never able to follow up with him to find out what exactly happened there, but it was obvious that that person was being made to feel unwelcome. And, and maybe you felt that too sometime. Maybe, maybe um, uh, it was a situation in a family event or something like that where, where uh, maybe they said, okay, well, you're welcome, but not if you bring her. You know, we're just not going to put up with her or her kids. Or may, maybe it's a situation, you're welcome, but not your husband. Maybe that's the situation. Maybe maybe it's something else. Maybe it's like, okay, we'd love to have you at Thanksgiving so long as you don't bring your politics. Maybe you felt in the past somehow that you were not welcome at a particular event. Years ago, I had a... Um, I had a, I had just gotten hired. I was I was brand new at a new company, and, and um, uh, they had already before I arrived. They had shipped the first version of their product, and um, both it was a hardware and software product, and um, the hardware went on to be popular, <laughs> but the software wasn't. So um, so, but they had hired me as a software developer. So there's a whole story there, but they had already shipped their first product, and they were going to have a big celebration. Because of it, you know, you know, we've been doing this thing for the last nine months or whatever, and we're going to have a big party. So they they uh, bought up a restaurant in town and they they threw this big party. And my boss, when I when I when I was being onboarded, my boss said, you know, we're having this party this week. But he said it kind of the way he said, and there's a there's a supply room down the hall that I didn't really feel like I was invited. He was just letting me know it was happening. And so I was thinking, you know, this is not my party. I had nothing to do with that first generation of the product. It was just not my thing. It's not my party, and I don't want to feel like I'm crashing their party. And that's really uh, the way I felt about it. And then Jeff Donnelly came to my office. He was a brand-new co-worker. I had never met him before that week. And Jeff came to my cube, and he said, he said, you have to come to the party. And um, maybe he just could tell I was I was... Uh, deciding not to come, but he said, you have to come to the party. You are expected to be at that party, and you will be missed if you're not there. And so I went to the party. I'm easily manipulated. So, so I went to the party. Um, but I was thinking about that, that story um, when I read our lesson today. Jesus um, is, is um, uh, the, the place we're at. Jesus is on his way uh, from Galilee, where he began his ministry, to Jerusalem, where he will conclude his earthly ministry and his death and his resurrection. So Jesus is on his way, and we pick up the story last week um, at a dinner at a dinner party that Jesus was a guest at. And as we pick up pick it up today, Jesus is still at that same guest uh, that same party. And so uh, we're going to see what what else Jesus has to say while he's at that dinner party. So we we begin in verse fifteen. It says, "When one of the dinner guests heard Jesus's remarks." 
Now, this is a problem with splitting something over a couple of weeks um, because uh, it may not be fresh in your mind what it was Jesus said. Basically, what he said was um, a particular way you should behave when you are invited to a party or when you invite other people to a party of your own. So Jesus gave some instructions about how to behave it as a, as a guest or as a host of a party. And uh, what we saw last week is Jesus, when he, when he said these things, he said, when, um, he says, um, when you receive an invitation, go and sit in the least important place. And he said to the hosts, he said, when you, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you'll be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you'll be repaid when the just are resurrected. So Jesus gave those instructions. And what we saw last week is that Jesus was speaking parabolically, that this was, this was not just a banquet he was talking about. He wasn't just talking about any party. He was, he was giving advice about a party, but he was also saying something about the kingdom of God because, uh, because traditionally in, in the way that Jews understood, uh, God's promises about the kingdom, it was viewed as a banquet. The prophet Isaiah, six centuries before the time of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah said, On this mountain, the Lord of heavenly forces will prepare for the peoples a rich feast, a feast of choice wines, of select foods, and rich in flavor, choice wines well refined. So, so that is the promise that the people of God have been expecting for centuries, that there would be, um, the, when, the, when the kingdom of God came, it would be like being invited to a great feast. So, so that's, that's where, um, Jesus, uh, was, was at last week. And we see that th- this guest understands that's what Jesus was, was speaking about because he says, he says, um, when he heard those remarks, he says to Jesus, happy are those who will feast in God's kingdom. So he understands this is, this is a metaphor for the kingdom of God. So he's saying, won't that be great when the kingdom of God arrives? And we'll be able to eat bread in the kingdom. So, so that's what he says. And Jesus replies, a certain man hosted a large dinner and invited many people. And it, that means he sends out kind of a save the date RSVP kind of thing, right? Let me know if you're coming and I'll make sure there's enough wine for you. There's a famous story about people who didn't make sure there was enough wine. But that, that's the way it worked. You got invited and then you let them know you were coming or not. So he invited many people. And then when it's actually time for the dinner to begin, he sends his servant to tell the invited guests, come, the dinner is now ready. And they all make excuses. One by one, they all began to make excuses. And the excuses are pretty thin. They're not, they're not bad excuses, but they're thin. So one of them says, I bought a farm and must go and see it. Please excuse me. Now, think about this. Uh, you know, I don't know if you're buying any farms, but say it's a house instead. Would you buy, would you buy a house sight unseen? Okay. And if you bought so many houses that you could do that, you know, you're BlackRock or something like that, you're always buying houses, um, would you really care if you saw it today or after this party, right? This is a thin excuse, right? If you're in a position where you can buy a house sight unseen, then Today doesn't really matter versus tomorrow. You'll just go see the house when you get around to it. So he says, please excuse me. So he's got an excuse, but it's a, but it's a thin excuse. And the second one is kind of like it. He says, I bought five teams of oxen and I'm going to check on them. Please excuse me. Again, he's bought oxen without ever having seen them. And so he, he must buy so many oxen that this is just a routine transaction. You know, it's a, it's another Tuesday. I always buy oxen on Tuesday or something like that. So, so, uh, he's buying five 
teams of oxen. So, you know, a, a pair of oxen, a team of oxen are yoked to a plow. So, in our, in our context, this guy's saying, I just bought five tractors. Okay, and I've got to go check on my five tractors. So, so it's like this guy is, is in a situation where he's saying, um, I do this routinely, and so he's got another thin excuse. I could, I could check on these tractors tomorrow just as well. The third person, now you know the way stories go, right? Goldilocks lays down in the first bed, and it's too hard. And then she lays down in the second bed, and it's too soft. But then she lays down in the third bed, and it's just right, right? The little pig, the first little pig builds his house out of straw, and the wolf is able to blow it down. The second little pig builds his house out of twigs, and the wolf is able to blow it down. But the third little pig, he builds his house out of bricks, and it stands up, right? So we know the way stories go. The, the first two show the wrong thing to do, and the third one says, okay, now this is the right thing to do. So let's see what the third one does. The third one says, exactly what the first two said. <laughs> it's like, whoa, Jesus is really underscoring everybody is snubbing this guy. Everybody is coming up with an excuse why they can't come. He says, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, uh, that may sound like a good excuse to you, but I mean, you know, presumably he knew he was getting married when he, um, when he agreed to come to this party, right? You know, you know uh, if not, then maybe there's a whole story there. But, but notice he also doesn't say, please excuse me. He just says, no, I'm not coming. He says, yeah, not coming. So, the servant reports all of these back to his boss. When he returns, the servant reports these excuses to his master. And guess what the master of the house does? He becomes angry. Duh. The master, it's like, you know, this, this is, you know, it's conceivable that these are all just independent people and just by bad luck, coincidentally, they all came up with a thin excuse for not coming to the party that they agreed they would come to. So he's angry because his first assumption is no, this is, this is calculated. This is coordinated. They've figured this out and they are, you know, they are boycotting my party collectively. So he becomes angry and he says to his servant, go quickly to the city streets, the busy ones, the busy ones in the side streets and bring the poor, crippled, blind and lame. So he says, bring the, the people you find on the sides of streets, bring them into my party. And the servant does that and comes back. He says, Master, your instructions have been followed and there is still room. And so the master says to the servant, Okay, you've exhausted the city. Go outside the city walls. Go out to the countryside. Go to the highways and back alleys and urge people to come in so that my house will be filled. And the reason he does that is because the servant is doing more than simply saying that you know the house is half full. The dinner is half full. He's saying... We've still got some space. I did what you asked. We brought in all these guests. That It doesn't look like you're being snubbed anymore. right? There's people here. There's warm bodies in the chairs. But do you want to save some seats? Do you want to save some seats in case some of those original invitees decide to come after all? He's saying, do you want to hedge your bets? And the master of the house says, no. No. I want the house teeming. I... If, if any of those people show up, I want to be able to walk out there and say, oh, I'm sorry, 
there's no room for you. <laughs> so he says, go out there and tell, uh, invite, urge people to come in so my house will be filled. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will taste my dinner. So, Jesus has said this, not about the party he's at. He's, he's talking metaphorically, because remember, one of the guests had said, what, what a great thing it will be. How happy are those who eat bread in the kingdom of God? Happy are those who, are, who will feast in God's kingdom. So Jesus is answering that man. He's saying, let me tell you about the kingdom of God or the, the feast that represents the kingdom of God. And so he, he tells about this. And so if Jesus is speaking metaphorically, if Jesus is, is telling a parable about the kingdom of God, and it certainly looks like a parable. I mean, it may have been in, you know, we don't know. Luke doesn't tell us this was a parable. But it seems like a parable because otherwise, how does it relate to what the man said? Um, now, it might have been based on actual events, you know, that they're all aware of. That time, remember the guy, that jerk in the next town over, you know, he really got his, right? Maybe they know of a story like this. Maybe not. Maybe Jesus is just, you know, uh, speaking um, meta- uh, hypothetically, suppose this thing happened. But Jesus is speaking parabolically. He's giving a metaphor about the kingdom of God. And so how do we interpret it? What is Jesus telling us about God's kingdom, about that banquet that represents God's kingdom? Well, if if the banquet is the kingdom of God, then the host must be God. So, okay, that's not so hard. What about those original people who were invited, the people who all declined? Who is that? Well, the answer there is, you know, again, Luke doesn't tell us. We, we don't know. We have to, we have to guess. And there's been a lot of people who've guessed all kinds of things down through the years. Uh, one of the most popular guesses is this is Israel. This is the original people of God and they rejected the Messiah, so they are excluded. So, so, uh, that's one interpretation. Um, another interpretation is this is referring to Christians who fall away from their faith. So sometimes people say it's the, the apostate. People who have who were Christians and then uh, backslide or fall away from their faith. So those are two. Um, there, there are there are good objections to both of those, and so I'm not going to go into that that theory. Um, if if I had to be pressed, who who is that original who is that original um, set of guests? My guess is it's Adam and Eve. It's humanity in in our innocence when God said said here's here's how to here's how to um, thrive. Here's how to have a whole and rich life. And they said, I've got my own plan. So so um, that would be my guess if I had to interpret who those original guests are. But we know that we know that whoever they are, they're people who have the ability to repay. Remember the Jesus had talked about don't invite people to your party who can repay you. So he's talking about there's two categories of people, people who can repay you and people who don't. And the the blind people, the, the poor, the lame, they're the ones who couldn't repay. So we know that whoever they are, they were able to repay. And so that pretty well rules us out, right? You know, if if you wanted to invite God to a party, what would you serve? You know, do you know what God's favorite food is? Do you know what the right portion size is? Right? We're not in a position to repay God by throwing a banquet and inviting Him. In, in all honesty, you know, where, where would you send the invitation? You know, um, uh, uh, what is it that God lacks that you could supply Him? Right? We're not in a position to repay God anything. 
We can't, we can't make it even for what God has done for us. We're, we are by our nature necessarily, we are the poor and the lame. We're, we're the, we're the people sitting on the curb in the city or we're the, the vagabonds and the outcasts who aren't even allowed into the city walls. So however you want to put that, we are the second set of guests. We're not in that first group. So what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that you are invited to God's kingdom, that you are invited to God's kingdom. No matter what people have told you, no matter, you know, the, the tapes that are playing in your head, no matter, you know, your feeling of guilt or, or um, innocence, you are invited to God's kingdom, that you are um, one of those people who is invited to the kingdom because the host wants to fill up his party. Now, if you're humble, and I, I, I'm, I'm speaking met, uh, um, hypothetically here because I don't know what it's like to be humble. If you're humble, you say, that's great, I've been invited to a party. If you're like me, and if you're like a lot of people, that may be a little bit of a come down because because I think there's this there's this notion in the back of our heads sometimes, or at least my head, that God is really lucky to have somebody like me on His team. That that God is looking forward to you know the when when I walk up the red carpet and the photographers are snapping pictures asking who I'm wearing and things like that, that that will reflect well on God. Oh look who came to His party. Isn't that great? And I think I think if you have a swollen head the way I often do, um, that may be a little bit of a come down. It's like I'm the second set of guests. I'm not in that first set of guests. But for a lot of us, it's like, well, yeah, you know, I can't repay God. There's nothing I can do except take His generosity when it's offered to me. So, so I am offered to God's kingdom, and uh, I am invited. I'm offered an invitation to God's kingdom, and hopefully, I have the humility to say this is uh, this is something that. I didn't deserve. I'm not going to, you know, bring any credit to God when I show up. So I'm invited to God's kingdom. And if you're thinking, well, I can't be invited to God's kingdom because I'm not one of those red carpet celebrities. That's exactly the point. You aren't. The the red carpet celebrities, whoever they might have been, you know, Adam and Eve or whatever, they said no. So what else does this tell us? Well, the second thing it tells us is that God's kingdom is available today, right? This is not a save-the-date invitation we get, right? This is the servant has come out and said, hey, there's a party going on right now. And that's what Jesus tells us about the kingdom of God. Jesus tells us the kingdom of God has already arrived. It has not arrived in its fullness. It's not manifest. It's not something that everybody can see just by looking around. It's hidden like a... a, a Treasure buried in a field, like like yeast in a batch of dough. The the kingdom of God is present, but it's like a seed growing in the ground. The kingdom of God is available, and it's available right now. So when that guest says, won't it be great someday? Someday, when the kingdom of God comes, and we can eat bread in the kingdom, when we can finally feast in the kingdom of God, Jesus is essentially saying, what's stopping you? You can do it right now. The kingdom of God is available today. Now, what all the guests have done, the guests have said, well, I, I'm, I'm interested in coming, you know, I mean, we're going to be charitable, right? Maybe the guests were like organizing a campaign to boycott the, this party, but maybe they just said, you know, I've got some, you know, let's be charitable. Let's assume that they have good motives. I really need to go check out that farm. Or I really need to go check out those those um, oxen, 
right? That they're they're really you know my my honeymoon. I'm expected to be there. Um, so so maybe they've got good good excuses, right? They they look a little thin, but let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt. So so what do they say? What they all say is, well, I'll go later. He'll have another party some other time, and I can go to that. There's this idea that what I'm doing now is more important than going to that party. That, you know, there, there is not an idea that those tractors, uh, the, those oxen will wait. There, there's not an idea. Well, you know, the field is still going to be lying there because that's what fields do. You know, they, they don't go anywhere. Um, so it'll still be there. there there's not a, there's not a, uh, um, a sense, this is, this is an opportunity I should really take advantage of. There's this idea of, well, it'll still be there later on. It'll be there someday. And um, even if it is available right now, I, I can always come come to it later. So so there's this idea that the kingdom of God is available um, later. And Jesus is is telling the servant, urge the, the servant urges people. He's saying, no, no, come right now. The party is on right now. That it's not something for later. It's not something you can put off. Now, I resist high pressure sales tactics. I don't know. Maybe some of you are, you know, easily you fall for it, right? But it makes me kind of think, okay, well, they're pushing, so I'm going to leave, right? Before, you know, because I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't like confrontation, right? So they say this deal is only available today. If you come back tomorrow, you know, it may not be available anymore, right? So I can't make any promises about tomorrow. Is Jesus a high pressure salesperson? Is Jesus saying, no, you have to, you have to sign right now. You know, don't, no, you don't get to go talk it over with your wife. You don't get to go sleep on it. No, no, is, is that what Jesus is doing? Well, I have two answers. The first answer is come back next week because that is exactly what Jesus is going to talk about next. He's going to, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a preview. He says, he says no. He says, this is exactly the kind of decision you really need to think hard about. So Jesus does not tell them, no, this is, this is a, 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 an urgent matter you must respond to right now because it'll never be offered again. But he doesn't tell you you'll get a second chance either. You, you could be hit by a bus as you walk out to your car. I mean, or maybe once you start driving, right? You know, I mean, it's hard for a bus to hit you in the parking lot. But I mean, you could be hit by a bus, right? You could fall down the stairs on your way out, right? And that could be the end of it. You may not get a second chance. Jesus doesn't say one way or the other. So, what does he mean? He says, come today because it's available today. These excuses aren't bad, but they are... They're, they're based on the idea that what I'm doing now is at least as important or more important than coming to this party. That the field I'm going to go look at, the, the, uh, I keep saying tractors, the, the oxen, the, the honeymoon, that all these things are more important than going to the kingdom. There's this idea that they, they somehow are better than the kingdom of God. And so our third point is nothing can compare to God's kingdom. That this is really the fundamental insight. He's saying, he's saying to this guest, yes, it will be great. The, the bread in the kingdom of heaven, huh, wait till you try it. It's pretty amazing. He's saying, yes, you will not be disappointed in any way by the kingdom of heaven, either in its, in its present, um, manifestation or, or its secret nature today or in its fullness when it arrives completely. Uh, when Jesus returns. He's saying the kingdom of, of heaven, the kingdom of God, will not disappoint you. But 
The question is, do you want it? The, the prophet Isaiah says, why spend money for what is food, what isn't food, and your earnings for what doesn't satisfy? Listen carefully and eat what is good. Enjoy the richest of feasts. He's saying that the, the kingdom, the, the food in the kingdom, the feast, the, the reality of God's kingdom is, is wonderful. But if you're full up because you've been eating in the kingdom of this world, if you think the things of this world will fill you up, it doesn't satisfy. He says, why devote yourself? Why spend your money? Why devote yourself to the things of this world at the cost of missing out on what the kingdom is making available to you? So even if you do get a second chance, you will have missed out what was available right now. You know, when, if you show up when there's, they're serving, you know, dessert, you, you'll probably wonder, well, what was, what was the main course like? And Jesus is inviting us to say, look, the things of the kingdom are better than the things of this world that they can't compare. So don't say, well, look, I'm just going to have a little snack before I get there because I don't know if the food's going to be any good. Right? Has anyone ever done that at a, at a party or something? It's like, let me just eat a little bit, right? And then, then just in case. Jesus is saying, don't hedge. You know, you do not honor God by hedging your bets. That, and, and notice, notice the way that the, the, the host of the party behaves. He doesn't hedge his bets, right? He doesn't save some room just in case some of those honored guests show up. No. He's, he's specifically making sure that they cannot participate in his, in his, um, in his, uh, uh, celebration, his, his banquet. So don't be someone who hedges his bets. The, the king doesn't, or the, the, the host doesn't do it, and Jesus says, no, don't do it. You'll be disappointed. So. You are invited, no matter what people have told you, no matter what you may think. People, you know, often say, well, look, I can't go to church because if I did, the roof would fall in on me, right? No, you are invited, just like the blind and the poor, just like those bumpkins out in the countryside, you're invited to the party. And the party has already begun. And whatever you're thinking about can't compare to it. So that's what Jesus is saying. And I want to finish with this. This is a decision, and we'll see more about this next week. This is a decision that only you can make. I can't make it for you. I can't, I can't decide for you. Um, your parents can't decide for you. Uh, you know, your spouse can't decide for you. Your, your children can't decide for you. This is a decision you have to make for yourself. The church can't decide for you. But the church does have a role. The church has the role of the servant. The church has the opportunity to go into the fields and say, there's a great party. I know you weren't planning it. I, I know that, you know, like the rest of us, you don't, you don't deserve to be there. You weren't on the original guest list, but you are now. The church has the opportunity to give that good news to people. The church basically has the opportunity to, to be Jeff Donnelly and tell Luke, yeah, I know you weren't part of the team that built that, but you're welcome. You are expected. And your absence will be noted. Let's pray. Gracious God, uh, we thank you that um, we are invited to your kingdom. We're invited to that great feast the prophet spoke of. Lord, we pray that you would you would give people who aren't sure if they belong, or people if their heads weren't so swollen, 
would wonder, honestly, am I really invited? That you would give them the confidence to know that they are, in fact, invited into your kingdom. And Lord, I pray for your church as we go out to share this good news with the people in the world, to let them know that, yes, they are absolutely invited to this great party that has already started. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.